You're listening to the Curiosity Collective podcast. I'm Arpita and I'm Deepika. So we began this podcast with the issue of loneliness in the city and you know while we were prepping for the episode I came across this concept in relation to loneliness called the snowball effect. And basically what it says is that the more lonely you become the more hypervigilant, suspicious and afraid of strangers you become. So it's this vicious cycle of rejecting the very thing you need the most which is human connection. Right and I think I've come across this again and again too where um, not only in my own life but you know in the people I know the communities that I've worked with yeah it's a it's a super common experience and you know you you're sometimes even aware that you're doing that but the level of isolation is so high or you just don't have enough social capital mm-hmm. that you're sort of stuck in that cycle then you know and it made me wonder what do you do then and you know who do you reach out to in situations like that Well I think today's conversation should throw some light on one such option and um I think through the conversation we'll also begin to understand the complex landscape of mental health support systems that are required to address loneliness um uh, which we spoke of in the previous episode and other such mental distress situations within cities because I mean really one solution won't do it um it's not really that the scale of indian cities is so huge it's also the sheer complexity of the issue and so initiating concern for all or i call is a telephone and email based counseling service which is run by the school of human ecology housed in uh, the T- uh, tata institute of social sciences in mumbai also by the way my old alma mater so very <laughs> excited to be talking about this project today And our colleague Srinidhi chatted with Aparna Joshi, assistant professor at the School of Human Ecology at TIS, and her colleague and coordinator of ICOL, Tanuja Babri. She met them on this rainy uh, Mumbai evening in the green campus of TIS, and they began the conversation with Tanuja explaining the ICOL project. Um, so ICOL was started in 2012, September 2012, um, and it was started with the idea and the vision that uh, good quality, affordable, ethical uh, mental health services should not be limited to geographical locations, language, cost, class, and all of these um, issues. Um, so anybody across the country who's going through any sort of distress, be it psychosocial distress, be it um, just distressed, emanating out of illness, emanating out of practical problem, out of structural violence should have access to good quality resources uh, and good quality mental health services uh, within those resources um, i call began as a helpline uh, with the vision to offer affordable free of cost services to people across the country uh, a service which will have the greatest amount of focus on quality uh, which will be uh, intersectional which will be diversity friendly um, and which will offer counseling and not just emotional first aid uh, because a lot of other helpline models that you'll see across the country um are emo- are befriending or emotional first aid models uh but uh, psychotherapy services you'll find that they might be either in metropolitan cities uh and at the same time there are again different barriers to access which might be related to language cost class travel distance and all of those things it sounds really interesting them did she also say what prompted them to undertake this project Yeah, Aparna went on to explain why an intervention like I call is required in the present day. So, if you look at the entire country itself, we are talking about 150 million people who are in need of mental health services. And these are people who are largely who have reached a distress level of a diagnosis. So, you can imagine for these 150 million there are 
many others who are also in need of uh, some kind of a service and given the availability of mental health professionals uh, it is impossible to fill in this kind of a gap right so i think i call plays a very very important role over there on one hand we are saying that cities are experiencing a great amount of distress and on the other hand we are saying that the support structures are getting diminished or they are not accessible to people so i call i think fits very neatly into that space whereby it provides as i said a very very safe non judgmental space for people to talk about their stories of distress and uh, most importantly take charge of their own lives also but i think i call we don't want to pitch i call only as uh, something that you can come to once you experience distress but anybody who even gets those warning signals and i feel that it is contributing largely to the city's mental health also we call mental health as a cinderella of health sciences you know very cliche but still uh, so i feel that anyway mental health is a topic that nobody is talking about mental illness is what we talk about we don't talk about mental health so we wait till we reach that point so we are just saying that mental health is as much a priority as finding a house or finding a good relationship i think uh, we are trying to sort of you know give that message and i think i call can be that space where you can definitely visit to take care of your own mental health so here aparna is quoting the 2016 national mental health survey uh, this was conducted by the national institute of mental health and neurosciences nimhans which is in bangalore they assess that while 150 million indians are in dire need of mental health intervention only 30 million actually have access to appropriate care wow so that's one of the big gaps then where people have a diagnosis but don't have access to medical help exactly and uh, as aparna explains here they see i call responding to the people also outside the arena of diagnosed mental health conditions so her point being that the structural response to improve mental health needs to also address those who might uh, you know not yet be within the ambit of illness but are under duress um or distress and uh, simply because you know if distress is left unaddressed they, that potentially opens them for illness in the future so being preventive and helping people cope before like you said that situation becomes right. an emergency state right and And I think WHO also has a similar definition for health, where you know they say that health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not just the absence of disease or infirmity. So, really looking at how well-being has to be part of that larger strategy rather than just an emergency response to illness. And how ICOL responds more holistically also has to do with their approach, the psychosocial approach that we've spoken a bit about in the previous episode. So uh, I think we were we have been. Uh trying to unpack this word called psychosocial for a very very long time because people either talk psycho or people talk social and we are trying to combine both so uh, what do we mean by that we are trying to say that people's internal realities which are comprised of their own private thoughts emotions or their bodies or their own experiences are not so isolated from the larger social context in which they are living yeah so those social context are very much a part of their narrative yeah they are either determining 
the distress they are contributing to the distress that people are facing so for example to take a simple example of city like mumbai you know uh, simply the fast pace of life the competitiveness or the everyday struggles of survival earning money uh the pressures to perform provide even for men i would say that lot of uh, you know us have been talking about women's distress but i'm also seeing that men are also facing a crisis of masculinity in this city yeah and uh, unfortunately as i said that there are no spaces where uh, people can talk about this combination of private experience with which is connected with the larger social context and obviously i think there are contexts which are mundane like as i said everyday city uh, life pace traveling isolation but there are more serious aspects of uh, marginalization violations on the basis of different social locations so many people call us in i call who are struggling with the dominant gender scripts or sexuality scripts and do not know how to negotiate with those and feel extremely isolated and lonely in those struggles also poverty unemployment are huge contexts you know particularly in city yeah so even struggles to find home and some safe spaces to talk love live i think are missing so we are trying to say that those larger social contexts are definitely contributing to your personal narratives and personal distress so while providing this service we are mindful of both and uh, definitely conversations therefore i call holds are not only addressing the personal distress but are also trying to make people mindful of these larger social contexts and in our very very modest way we are trying to figure out how can people be made more resourceful so that they can negotiate better with these larger social structures also right that's what we were talking about also how people are situated within that larger context of a community and an ecosystem and and therefore you have to look at and understand loneliness also holistically and you know that word distress I me mean, we're using it multiple times and but the way i understand it is sort of the dictionary definition of you know a feeling of extreme worry or anxiety sadness pain is is that the vein that we're talking about here well you're in the right space but i think there's a little bit more to it and aparna explained this with examples one of the top concerns is emotional distress yeah and uh, uh, this distress could manifest through a uh, depression anxiety lot of anger lot of violence resentment so uh, the story is of this kind of a emotional distress where people don't have space to talk about and the distress itself is generated by various other uh, themes that we are receiving calls for so relationship concerns are a major theme that people are definitely you know uh, these are stories particularly of romantic relationships or married relationships where people are not able to communicate or where there is violence these are also stories of peer relationships and a larger story no no surprise there because we are family is such an important institution for us stories of uh, parent child relationships and uh, unfortunately there is a breakdown of communication or there is very aggressive communication disrespectful communication apart from that there are other themes of mental illness also that people are calling us with uh, and uh, the general concerns of how to perform in academics how to perform in careers the work life balance i think particularly you know metro cities 
as I said, people are coming to these cities to perform, earn, uh, and once they get into that entire rat race, it is very difficult to, you know, sort of connect back to the personal life. So I think work-life balance is also becoming a huge concern for people. And violence is a major, violence and abuse is also a major issue. Yeah. Wow, that covers a huge range of issues. Yeah, and of course, these are just the major themes that they are highlighting there because Tanuja was saying how a counsellor's job is always fresh in the way that you can never, never predict what the next client is going to bring in. When people are reaching out to us, um, the journey is different for everybody. Um, and um, uh, for each person, I think the, the meaning that they attach to uh, seeking help or to resolution or to uh, feel connected um, is really different. And through our work, we try and identify uh, what is that meaning for this person and how can we bring them closer to, um, to their more authentic self or um, to whatever the objective of their journey might be. But Aparna did point out two things that they often note in their clients. But people who call, I call, have lot many try, times tried things at their level. Yeah? So these could be individual solutions that they have tried or they have tried sharing their distress with somebody else uh, who is in their close circles. Lot of times they have felt that it is not fully understood by the other person. They haven't felt held together, they haven't felt contained. They haven't felt that there has been a nurturing, accepting space also for them. And therefore they come to ICON. The existing spaces sometimes are nurturing but they are extremely judgmental also. Sometimes they are not only judgmental, but they, instead of listening, offer solutions. Sometimes we are also realizing in a city, I'm particularly observing this, that there are many more talkers than listeners. Yeah? So when you start talking about your story, it becomes a competition as to whose story is privileged also. And therefore they want a dedicated space in the form of I call which is their space, which is under their control and they can claim it as their own. That is one pattern. Yeah? So they have tried a lot many things. It's not easy for anybody in today's world to access any kind of a fo- uh, informal or formal support system. That is one. The second pattern that we also see that people simultaneously are accessing multiple support structures. They are talking to their friends, family, they are also talking to a psychiatrist, they are talking to a doctor, they are talking to some other formal structure and they are simultaneously accessing alcohol. So I think for us, the more the better as long as the person knows what is the synergy in these spaces. So those are the two patterns that uh, come to my mind. Yeah, that makes intuitive sense. I know that, you know, when I'm in a situation of distress, I also react similarly, you know, try to figure out things on your own for a bit and then look for multiple ways to solve that crisis. Absolutely. And um, I think, uh, you know, like they kept saying again and again, inherently people are resourceful. And I think we try our best to resolve our problems uh, in the, you know, in our own ways. But of course, all of us have faced those situations where we might need external support or help. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so easy to also slip into that place of feeling overwhelmed and, you know, being buried by the crisis. And then you don't know when to reach out for help. And 
And the thing is then, how are you to know what that tipping point might be in that situation of distress where actually it's a good idea now to, to step out and ask for help? And Aparna actually explained what the possible indications could be that might help us understand that we might have exhausted our resources and it's time to reach out for help. First of all, I think the functionality is affected, be it your uh, you know, everyday functioning, be it your work, be it your relationships, causing a lot of distress, conflicts or pain or abandonment. I think so functionality. Second thing is when you start some kind of a experiencing self-alienation also or you don't feel good about yourself also. So distress affects not only relationships, functionality, but it also affects your own relationship with yourself. You don't feel comfortable with yourself. So I think that's also a good time to know that, you know, I'm feeling either so alienated or I'm constantly self-critical also, I think. Uh, so, or I'm too other critical also. And that itself is also causing distress. The third is I'm engaging in some kind of a uh, self-harm also strategies. Yeah? I'm not working towards my growth. I'm not taking care of myself. But on the contrary, I'm also working uh, you know, in a self-destructive pattern. So I feel these. And I think body is also a very good uh, barometer to use when you don't feel okay with your body. Yeah? Because we believe that your thoughts, your emotions, your body and your behavior all are connected. So in any of those areas, if you are engaging in destructive behaviors, if your body is not feeling well, if you are not feeling emotionally well or you are so critical towards yourself or others, I think these are good indicators to use. Tanuja and Aparna also suggested basic coping mechanisms that one could consider as a regime of self-care that might help anticipate and dissipate these situations of distress. Some things could be done with your emotions, some things could be done with the way you think, some things could be done with the way you feel and uh, uh, behave and some could be with your body also. So anything that helps you ground yourself and bring that arousal down now, these could be the, uh, you know, self-care tools or boxes or grounding techniques. And those are very widely available on the internet. If you just type grounding techniques, they are simple counting techniques or they are reorienting yourself into this moment which helps you bring your arousal down. It could be simple meditation, mindfulness apps. We, we prescribe all of these things to bring the emotional arousal down and also some bits of daily self-care routines that you will engage in, which is a much more proactive strategy. The second one is to change your self-talk, which is highly critical, blaming or putting other people down or putting oneself down. I think through alcohol, we are also trying to help people accept themselves as fallible human beings. Uh, but Many people in our culture particularly are disturbed by the idea of self-acceptance because they feel self-acceptance will lead to complacency, which means I will not change. And so we tell people that accepting yourself doesn't mean that you will be complacent, you know. Uh, so differentiate between things that you can control and things you can't control and just be graceful about it. So helping people change self, self-talk is a very important Third is behavior, yeah? whatever, how can you develop more constructive behaviors, what you said, you know, taking a nap or 
but not sleeping so much that you are not working. Everybody has that balance within themselves. Yeah? But simple small self-care behaviors or routine behaviors that they can engage in. And I can't tell you what wonder it does to people. You know, uh, Sometimes you wonder why do you have to be a therapist for people uh, to be told that you eat on time, sleep on time. But sometimes perhaps you require that external nurturing parent to tell you that, you know, it's also a gesture of care. So engage in some simple healthy behavior, routine, whatever it is, whatever is your definition or a co-constructed notion of healthy behavior. And the fourth aspect is body health. Because a lot of psychotherapy focuses on talk, but misses a very important component of body because you are an embodied presence. So listen to your body, some breathing simple exercises. We particularly at call are also strengths based. Yeah? So we are not just helping people find out what's wrong with them. And we believe that while people bring a lot of problems, they have a lot of abilities, competencies, but because of the despair and distress, they are not able to connect with those able, competent parts of their own selves. So one of our search through their narratives is also finding those exceptions, those abilities and connecting people with their own scripts so that it creates hope. Because if there is no hope, people will not come back to you and people will not feel good about themselves. Okay, wow. So that's a bunch of things from figuring out grounding techniques to paying attention to, you know, self-talk that goes on and learning to be sort of more accepting of self to having a self-care routine. And, you know, all of those are really important. And as I've learned the hard way, also just learning to listen to your body and what it's telling you. Well, that's that's a good summary. And, uh, and Tanuja added in two more important points. One is that, uh, you know, the idea of uh, engaging in self-care, not only when you are in distress, mm. but engaging in self-care just as it is, mm. uh, to make it a part of your schedule, to make it a part of your routine, and uh, just knowing for yourself what is it that you do to take care of yourself um, is an exercise that I think all of us should do. Um, and mindfully doing those things, uh, not just because, you know, right now I'm at a space where, you know, I might lose it, but uh, just doing it because as you'd schedule, you know, any other doctor's appointment for a regular health checkup or something like that. And second is a lot of times when we talk to people about um, engaging in self-care or engaging in self-compassion, being more compassionate to yourself, being more kind to yourself, there's a lot of guilt that people experience that, you know, um, is this okay for me to spend so much time, money, resources on myself to just make myself feel good? Uh, and you know, engaging in self-care is not a crime and it's not something that you're not supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, you do that for a loved one, you know, in a moment. Um, so the idea is also to sort of, again, you know, resist and try and do that for yourself mm -hmm. for a change. Um, that is also something that we should reflect on and talk about it. You know, as I was listening to Tanuja, I was reminded of this poem by William Henry Davies and it's, it's a really famous couple of lines where he says, what is this life if full of care? We have no time to stand and stare. And I thought of it because, you know, life can be like that, right? You can just get swept away by situations that you're in. Um, and then suddenly you realize you've stopped doing the things that make life meaningful and beautiful. And it's those moments really of wonder and calm and quiet and reflection and those can just vanish so easily if you're not paying attention. Absolutely. And I think I've done this myself so many times where 
I mean, distressing situations in particular, right? They they make it such that we can lose track of what is, you know, possibly the most supportive and healing elements of our uh, daily routines. And um, yet, as we've also been saying, there is this constant tension between the individual and their context. So in terms of support and care, even as you address your own coping, there is need sometimes to also address elements within your environment for um, a possibly long-term resolution of any distress. Call is called a psychosocial service. Hmm? So while we are talking about self, self is not an isolated, unbounded experience. Yeah? It is very well connected to the structures of the society. And where we started this conversation that the structures of many, you know, caste, class, uh, the city, geography, all of them are also importantly contributing to the person's distress. And many of the people who are calling us are not calling us because their self is alienated, but because they feel alienated or dominated or distressed by these very structures and the dominant discourses. A lot of girls call us saying that I don't want to get married but my parents are forcing me, they are not allowing me to you know, educate myself. Or there are there is violence which is one of the very important themes why people call us. And there are scripts of internalized patriarchies or privileges that people are unaware of or there are experiences of marginalization. So through I call and our conversations we are also helping people deconstruct these dominant scripts. Yeah? which are reified and understood as truths by many of us. So we are trying to say that these are constructed realities and we are helping people find out what are their preferred realities. Of course, we are sure that those preferred realities cannot impinge upon other people's you know, rights. Uh, but we are helping you know, people create that script. And one of the most important thing we are doing is lot of powerlessness that people feel in their lives is not necessarily to do with their psychological realities but also to do with their structural realities. So we connect people to external resources be it you know support uh, structures or support groups or government schemes or women's organizations or legal support or vocational support because we don't want to call this service which indulges only in a, as I said, isolated self. The self is a part of the larger structure. So connecting people to helpful structures is also extremely important. And that is what also one of the strategies that I call uses towards distress alleviation. Now, when Avana talks about caste, class and the geography of the city affecting distress, I, re I remember the study um, that I read a couple of years ago by Pukar, which is a research collective based in Mumbai. And the study has basically been done on non-notified slums, which is slums that are not recognized by the government. So among other things, you know, the paper looks at the impact of the slum environment on, on mental health. And what they found was that being in a slum that's not recognized officially has this huge role to play in how it affects your psychological distress. And the reason for that is there's the always living with high uncertainty where you don't know whether you have a roof over your head or not the next day, you know, you're always at risk of being raised. There's lack of access to the very basics of, you know, water and electricity and having to fight for that on day on day. And, and that just increases that sense of deprivation. So you're living with a source of stress and living in a way that's antagonistic to the government and to the rest of the city, because essentially your most basic needs have been criminalized, right? So 
automatically then your community identity is built on feeling excluded from the rest of the city and the people in it and i you know and now to layer this with that imagination of taking a person who's you know extremely anxious or depressed in these spaces and giving them access to medication and therapy even as they continue to live in that constant state of uncertainty and terror of having their homes and livelihoods taken away from them at any point of time yeah i mean medicine and therapy would help manage a person's anxiety um but the reason goes unattended right the reason the causal um, the cause behind the anxiety and this is not at all to say that medical attention and therapy is not important this is mm-hmm. to say that sometimes the reasons are far more complex and hence the interventions need to mirror that complexity and it's like we said last time this is serious food for thought also for people like urban planners designers public servants even to understand what goes into making healthier and happier cities right because there's so many structural issues involved in how you're feeling right and i completely agree with what aparna saying when you know when she says you have to connect people to other systems like healthcare or access to livelihood and employment opportunities just any kind of network and system that helps alleviate and remove some of this constant uncertainty and fear and anxiety around the basics and you know that's as important as having those individual conversations on emotional regulation and and you know managing how you're feeling and in this sense i call is really a very insightful project that uh, i think brings great depth into the conversation on what a holistic mental health care uh, approach looks like um yet i think what truly moves me what i truly love about it is what is at the heart of the project um you know the 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 basic thing of reaching out and bringing human support love and connection back into the lives of those who are distressed depleted and exhausted by the demands of life and so it seems appropriate then to wrap our conversation of today with their advice and invitation to those hesitating to seek help so i feel that if somebody who is listening to us you know um has to be addressed i think one of the first scripts that you need to um look at is the script of weakness yeah that uh, that help seeking through a formal source is considered as a sign of weakness or as a sign of i am not adequate enough to deal with my own distress so i think uh, seeking help Uh, itself needs to be uh, reframed as a sign of strength yeah and stra- sign of wisdom if i may call it yeah to know that you know now perhaps things uh, need to be uh, you know brought brought into a different realm where somebody else can be a part of my resilience journey yeah this is not to say that i am not resilient this is to say that somebody else's presence can complement your resilience so i think uh, and most importantly a service like i call is giving see we call it i call and we say i call i can yeah so it's a, it's a message of hope that if you call the call is within your control and the help is one call away and you make that call and you initiate your journey towards your own wellbeing we also want to say that don't wait till the distress escalates to such a level yeah all of us have an innate wisdom to understand when is it that the distress starts you know surpassing my own resources so the minute you realize that this is a non judgmental space this is a non stigmatizing space 
we are not even asking you who you are if you are not willing to tell us your name identity this is your space so claim it and claim it for your well-being if you'd like to learn more about icall visit the website icallhelpline.org if you would like to access the helpline number is 022-2552-1111 i repeat it's 022-2552-1111 They are available from Monday to Saturday from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. We'll also shortly be sharing an extra on the inner workings of iCall to understand who the patient and skilled people behind the phone lines are and how they managed to do this challenging work. To read further and access resources related to iCall and the conversations around mental health in Indian cities, visit our website www.thecuriositycollective.org. In the next TTC episode, we'll shift gears to another big topic in cities: garbage. We begin our four-part series called Trash Talk, where we explore how individuals from different cities are engaging with this growing problem of garbage across India. Don't miss it. This episode has been made with the support of Srinidhi Raghavan and produced by the Bangalore Recording Company.